I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 8 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we are talking with the CEO of World Team Tennis, Carlos Silva. Carlos grew up in the Washington, D.C. area playing tennis, USTA tennis, high school tennis, and eventually found himself at Boston College as a member of their men's tennis team, where he had a great four years. He then tried his hand on the pro tour for a short time up in Canada before going back to graduate school at George Washington University and then moving into a series of jobs in the TV and media space, um, including serving as the CEO for the World Series of Fighting. And that was part of the MMA leagues, which I don't know a ton about, But I do know that MMA is an individual sport, as is tennis, so maybe there's a little bit of crossover there. And you'll hear Carlos talk a little bit about that in this episode. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Carlos. Before I bring him on, though, I just want to remind you, if you haven't already, take a look at our Patreon page and please consider becoming a patron of the Parenting Aces podcast. That's at patreon.com slash parenting aces. And as always, there's a link in the show notes for that. We also have lots of new content on parentingaces.com. So if you have haven't visited the website in a while. I hope you'll take a look and see if there's anything there of interest for you. If not, please get in touch with me and let me know what issues you would like to see us cover on parentingaces.com, on the podcast, and through our social media. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Carlos Silva. Carlos Silva, CEO of World Team Tennis, welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. We are so thrilled to have you. Nice to be here. How are you doing, Lisa? I'm doing great. I had a little team practice this morning, so I'm all about team tennis. It's huge here in Atlanta, Georgia with the Atlanta Lawn Tennis Association, though I think by the time this episode airs, I will no longer be an Atlanta resident, but a Southern California resident instead, but I'm sure I'll find a team there too. (laughs) That sounds great. So because it's your first time on our podcast, I would love for you to give our listeners a little bit of your tennis story, how you got started playing as a youngster, and maybe talk a little bit about your parents' involvement in your tennis and your recruiting process when you played at Boston College. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, my mom played tennis, and so, you know, I got I got dragged along on, on some uh, – probably on some team tennis things that she was involved in. And, and, you know, probably when I was around eight, eight years old, I, I started playing more regularly and I kind of, I kind of liked all sports and played a lot of baseball and soccer and, you know, even a little bit of football and I ran cross country and, and uh, tennis was just one of those things that I just loved. So uh, I kind of quit everything probably when I was in around eighth grade, I sort of just quit the other sports that I was playing and just concentrated full-time on tennis and, um, you know, played all the junior tournaments and played some national tournaments and some international tournaments and kind of did the whole, 
you know, the whole junior tennis thing and, and, you know, loved it and, uh, you know, played high school tennis and, you know, wanted to play division one, division one college tennis. And I got lucky enough after looking at a bunch of schools to, to get recruited and was able to um, go to Boston college, probably, probably because of my tennis, uh, maybe more than my, maybe more than my academics, but, um, but I was, you know, super happy to be a Boston college Eagle and, and play four years there um, back in the days when Boston college was in the big East and we won a big, a bunch of big East championships and, and had a, you know, sort of had a successful team on the backside of a little bit of the Flutie era, which, created a nice glow for Boston college athletics in general in the, in the eighties, which was, um, which was great. And, you know, and then I, I picked up with a buddy of mine that played at Boston university and, and uh, we jumped, uh, we jumped in a car and drove to Canada to play the, what was called the Molson tour back then, which was, I guess the equivalent, the equivalent of, of challengers now um, satellite tour then. And uh, spent, spent a summer in Canada earning a few pro paychecks so that we could say we were. And, uh, and then that was kind of the end. That was kind of the end of my, my tennis career sort of from beginning to end. And, and then went off and did a master's degree at GW and, uh, yeah, tennis taught me a lot, you know, taught me how to, how to win and lose and be on time and have great teammates in college. And, uh, you know, lucky enough that I got an opportunity to take you know, about 20 or so years of sports and media and technology experience and, and now join world team tennis as the CEO and, and try and sort of reimagine it and, and grow it again from being a league that, you know, it's been around for a long time. And, and now I think we can reimagine it again and continue to grow it. It's so funny to me that you came from the world of MMA, which I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's an individual sport like tennis. So I guess there's that similarity, but I'm not sure how many other similarities there are between the two sports. Maybe you can enlighten me because I don't know that much about MMA, but how was it making that transition from, you know, such a kind of glorified sport i mean i feel like mma every time i turn on the tv you see mma matches happening and there's a lot of glitz and glamour around it tennis is kind of has a different profile in the media yeah i mean uh you know not as different as i think people you know people think i mean i think uh you know being a professional fighters league and growing that property and it was you know it's a great time and i got you know not being an mma guy and not knowing the sport, I, I just tried to relate to it around what I thought were great athletes. Um, you know, I, I think tennis athletes are some of the greatest athletes in the world. They can run, they can jump, they can, they've got endurance. Um, they, you know, they can, um, they can be graceful. They can be powerful. Um, and, and what's funny about it is there's a lot of similarities to that in MMA. I mean, you need to have multiple disciplines. You need to certainly be fit. Um, you know, and, I, I never, I never really thought it was that different. And it's also one-on-one, -on -one. you know, once you get on the court, it's you and your opponent. And once you get in the cage, it's you and your opponent. Um, and you certainly have coaches yelling at you and trying to help you, but, um, but it's, you know, your game plan and you've got to sort of execute against your game plan. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is as we design the tournament structure for professional fighters league, many of the things in that tournament structure came from tennis and my background in tennis. And, you know, one of those ones that was kind of a funny little piece is, 
is, you know, in MMA, you can get hurt when you fight and, um, you know, you could certainly, you know, break a hand or, or, you know, maybe even get cut and you might not be able to continue. So part of our tournament structure had a concept called a lucky loser and the lucky loser, no one in fighting really knew what a lucky loser was. And I would tell them, well, in tennis, you know, there's, when you're a lucky loser, it's when, you know, someone can't continue and the person that lost gets the slot and gets to move forward. And so even little things like that, um, you know, I used in MMA from my tennis background, but, um, uh, it was a great time, but, you know, again, with finding this opportunity at world team tennis, it was, I was able to really put the things that I was most passionate about and, um, and, uh, and that was tennis. And so it, you know, in a way it was kind of a dream job. What did you major in in college that led you to this path? That's a good, good question. At Boston college, I was, uh, I kind of had a funny major because I was in their school of management uh, and I was majoring in computer science. Um, I'm sorry, I was majoring in business, but then I had a minor in computer science because I wasn't sure that um, finance and accounting was really my thing. And then um, and then after I left Boston College, because it wasn't an engineering school, uh, I decided to go to GW and I did a master's in computer science um, and- with, a, with, a mi- with a minor in computer graphics. And so how has that served you or has it served you in your professional life? Uh, you know, look, I, I think having my undergraduate in business has served me well because it, it taught me all the, although I, I never really loved taking my accounting courses, it taught me all the fundamentals and things that I've, you know, used to this day when I'm doing budgets or P&Ls. Um, and, then, and then from my master's degree perspective, you know, pretty much everything I did in learning about um, design um, and user interface design and, and graphical design as part of my my computer um, computer science and computer graphics major uh, has always taught me how to you know create um, important products that you know had had great details and and every single detail counts around building a product and so I think uh, I learned a lot of that when I um, was both in my undergraduate and my master's degree. Interesting. And I mean, I think, you know, this whole notion of team tennis is being discussed a lot, especially Labor Cup just ended this past weekend as we're recording this podcast. Um, World team tennis happens in the summer. You are committed to growing the world team tennis brand, increasing the number of teams. But I, what I love about what happened this past year, and, and admittedly, it's really the first year that I've paid close, close attention to what's going on in world team tennis, is you've recruited or the teams have recruited a lot of the players that are just outside the limelight, just outside the rankings where they're getting direct entry into the big tournaments. And it's bringing exposure to a lot of these young players. How important is that to you as the CEO when you're trying to grow this brand? You know, I, I, I'd say it's, you know, it's a combination. I mean, um, look, we were certainly um, proud to have Taylor Townsend on our team in Philadelphia. And, you know, we were sure cheering her, you know, on hard as she went deep into the U.S. Open and got, you know, some awesome wins, you know, beating Halep and, and you know, getting so deep in the tournament. Um, but, you know, I think there's a combination of, of um, you know, Taylor was certainly a, 
you know, a rising star that, you know, maybe her ranking didn't reflect how good a player she was, but I think world team tennis helped her to, you know, kind of reinvigorate some confidence around playing singles and doubles and, you know, playing, you know, people like Venus Williams that were also across the side of the net in world team tennis. So I think, I think it is a unique uh, opportunity that we end up having, you know, John Isner, Nick, you know, you look at labor cup this weekend, John Isner, Nick Kyrgios, um, Taylor Fritz and Jack Sock, all, you know, world team tennis players in the last two years. And that's four of the team players on the world team. Um, so certainly we've been able to bring in the big players. I think we brought in even more big players this year from Sloan Stevens and Madison Keys and Venus, who I mentioned, Feliciano Lopez, who had a, a wonderful summer and played for us. And, um, you know, Francis Tiafo, and I mentioned Taylor Fritz and Sam Query and John Isner and, and I, you know, and I miss, you know, as a ranker, I miss, I miss a lot of other top players that, and they all combined with, you know, some other players like Neil Skupski, who, you know, isn't a top singles player, but is a top doubles player and, you know, went to the semifinals of the U S open too. And so I think it's, it's a matter of how do you build that team? How do we continue to attract some of the top players in the world, but how do we also give, you know, opportunities for, you know, folks like Taylor Townsend to maybe reinvigorate her game because she's on the court with an Azit Ranka or a Venus Williams or Sloan Stevens that, that helps her to, you know, get some confidence as she then goes into the U.S. Open Series. Sure, sure. And for the fans out there, what are you hoping we learn about the sport? What what are you hoping we do to engage differently with the sport as a result of the work you're doing to grow world team tennis? You know, I, I think I think in many ways it's you know I love that the fans get to see um, what a great time these players are having competing. Uh, you know, I mean the tennis tour is tough. You know, you're by yourself. Uh, it's certainly great to make the finals. You know, if you're Rafa and Roger making the finals often, it's great. But, you know, there's a whole lot of players that are, you know, losing first round, second round, and third round. And it can, you know, can be a little bit lonely for the next week or two before your next tournament. And so, uh, you know, World Team Tennis gives those, you know, all players an opportunity to have teammates and to jump off the bench and cheer them on and, and also get support if you happen to lose a match, because just because you lose your match doesn't mean you're going to lose the match for the team. Cause there's five sets, you know, men's and women's singles, you know, men's doubles and then mixed doubles. And all five of those sets um, create, you know, the, the, the match for the evening. And so, you know, maybe your game's a little off and you're, you know, if you're Francis Tiafo and your game's a little off, you might lose and, singles, but then you might come back later and, and win in doubles or mixed doubles and still have a great night and help your team get to a victory. And so I think, um, I think that's, you know, that's what I think fans get to see. I think you saw it this weekend in the labor cup. Like, I mean, the top players in the world, all jumping and screaming and getting nervous and tense. And in, in some ways being more nervous about missing a shot because of their teammates than even for themselves. And I think you see the same in world team tennis. A little birdie told me that you came up and were high school rivals with Mark Ein, who runs the City Open. And we know you played your college tennis at Boston College. So can you talk a little bit about what you learned from those team tennis experiences that you had yourself and how much of that you bring to your work at WTT? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I mean, playing playing college, playing college tennis is 
you know, playing college sports, I think is great. If you're, if you're an athlete growing up and you get an opportunity to play at, you know, at any level in college, I think it's, I think it really, at least for me, it, it really added to my college experience. And, you know, I went to college with a good friend and he played soccer and I played tennis and uh, it was a big part of, you know, Boston college for us. And so, um, I, you know, I certainly remember that. I, I certainly envy these players that, you know, get to play for a living and, and then, you know, give them the opportunity to play on a team, have a great time, uh, have teammates um, and experiences that I don't think they get anywhere else on the tour. And so it's a it's a big part of of, you know, what I want to bring to World Team Tennis is is providing a great player experience during their time. And and then certainly giving them exposure, because, you know, as you know, not, a, not you know, not everyone gets on television, but um you know, if you're playing on World Team Tennis, you know, with our partners with CBS and with ESPN, you're you're going to be, you know, on CBS or ESPN or ESPN Plus. And and I think that's a big a big plus for the players because, you know, sometimes they're on an outer court or they're not always on the stadium court and and they don't maybe get exposure um, at that level, either for themselves, for their friends, families and their fans and their sponsors. And so that's a big part of World Team Tennis. And uh, and what we've done with um you know with CBS and ESPN over this last year. Well, let's dig a little deeper into that because I I agree with you. You know I think that one of the biggest benefits of World Team Tennis is that we as fans get to know some of these players that we may not have known before, or may not know much about, and and I feel like that's one of the areas that our sport really needs to do better in, and that's exposing the personalities and and making sure that we as fans get to know the personalities playing the sport and world team tennis does a great job at that. And in fact, Noah Rubin, who is a good friend of parenting aces, um, you know, tweeted and uh, wrote a lot about his world team tennis experience this summer and how much it meant to him. And even though he might not have had a great night, like you were referencing Francis, you know, he still felt like it was such a positive experience for him. And, you know, what are some of the efforts that you as the leader of world team tennis are going to be doing to help us get to know these players even better over the coming years? Well, you know, I think it, I think it starts with, you know, I, I definitely think it starts with building the audience and, and providing platforms. I can't, I can't tell you how many people, even just, you know, friends of mine or colleagues of mine, or even people that I grew up playing with, you know, saw, you know, Sam Query and Feliciano Lopez battle it out on July 21st on CBS. And, you know, our partners at CBS were so happy to have us on, you know, on broadcast CBS because they don't have the U S open anymore. And I think that's where it starts. Um, you know, Noah, Noah did send out a great tweet and I think he, you know, he sort of, I can summarize it. It, it sort of was what I said that he just had such a great experience and great, such a great time being on a team and getting to know his teammates. And I think, um, I think we just need to continue to build that so that the, those franchises and, you know, Vegas or, San Diego or Philadelphia, you know, continue to grow and people come back every year and cheer for their team. Um, teammates will come back, you know, teams protect some of their top players. And just like any team, whether it's an NFL team or an NHL team, you, you know, you cheer for your team and you cheer for the players on your team. And so we have to keep, we have to keep growing that you know, year in and year out. And I think, it, you know, it really, the exposure and having great partners, um, 
you know, get those names out there is the beginning. And then I think the next piece is what we do with our social media and, and what the players do with their social media to help fans get to know them better and, and get to know um, their stories and, and why they're having such a great time or why playing doubles is so much fun or playing mixed. Um, the excitement of no ad scoring, you know, all of these things are just parts of, you know, what the tennis fans want to know. I mean, you know, we're miking our players, we're bringing some technology and graphics and movement and fitness and all of those things. You know, we hired, we hired Sean T to be a sideline reporter and report on what it's like to, you know, move side to side and exercises you can do to become a stronger uh, player. And, and um, it's little things like that, that I think just add to the league. And I think we'll keep, we'll keep innovating and uh, we'll keep adding uh, more of that for the fans so that they can get to know the players. Is there anything in the works to expand the league to include more kid related events where maybe, you know, you have a junior world team tennis team that plays right before the the pros or anything that would engage the local kids? Well, you know, right now we do have, you know, a community tennis program that's part of um, the world team tennis family where, you know, we can talk leagues that play the world team tennis format, you know, around the nation and they, they ladder up to a regional and even a nationals. In fact, I just was looking at my calendar because the nationals are going to be in Palm Springs in November. And I'm going to head out there to see all the teams and see who can win the, the titles in the different, um, in the different groups. And so uh, that's definitely in place. We'll, we'll continue to grow it. Uh, I, I do think it's a wonderful format. It's certainly a lot of fun, uh, you know, and again, having the opportunity to play singles and doubles and mixed uh, all on one team is, is really unique. And uh, we think it is the sort of the best format for amateurs as well as the pros. So we'll do that. But then certainly if you come out to a match, you know, being able to go down to the court after the match, all of the players, you know, sit at, sit at long tables and sign autographs for all the kids. Um, the players are all available. Uh, we do often do clinics. Uh, for the kids, clinics for pro-ams, uh, clinics for amateurs with the players in and around the season. It depends because the season's very busy, but I think we'll continue to grow it and probably do more uh, once we get into the playoffs and, and even the finals. One of the coolest things I think about World Team Tennis and watching the matches is the joy that you see on the players' faces because you don't typically see that when, you know, they're playing in a Masters 1000 or, a, right. you know, a Grand Slam event. It's it's all business. It's very serious. It's very intense. And and all of that is part of World Team Tennis, but, but there's also a fun factor and a joy factor. How do well, you, how do you muster, you know, how do you keep fostering that and growing that? Well, look, I think some of it is just being on a team, you know, again, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure being on a team, but there's also a lot of fun being on a team because you get support. You have teammates that are, you know, you hit a big serve and a teammate runs out and gives you a high five. And, and that, you know, that just doesn't happen in, um, you know, in the other tournaments and it's okay. We're not the other tournaments. We're, um, you know, we're sort of a special little season tournament all encompassed in three weeks between Wimbledon and the U S open series. And, um, I just think, uh, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's the thing that gives me the most joy that when you see, um, you know, a guy like Nick Kyrgios, like run out, he's not even playing in the match and he's so excited to like cheer his teammates on. 
because he loves being on a team and he doesn't get the chance to do it very often. And so, um, it, yeah, it warms my heart when I see that with all the players, because I think I know they're having a great time and they're also playing great tennis. And I think if they're having a great time, they'll play great tennis. It kind of the two go hand in hand. And Absolutely. So, uh, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's definitely the thing that makes me happiest. Can you talk a little bit about the coaching that goes on at World Team Tennis Matches and how you recruit coaches? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. And we have some great coaches um, with great personalities, great background, you know, from, you know, from John Lloyd to, you know, Luke Jensen, uh, Scott Lipsky, um, you know, JL. Um, you know, I mean, the list is, you know, the list is long and deep. Many of them have been. Uh, you know, great, you know, great pros themselves um, have gone deep into majors. Many of them have Grand Slam, you know, titles. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you, you know, maybe it happened 10 or 20 or even 30 years ago. So maybe not everyone knows, but I think it gives them the insight. Many of them have played World Team Tennis themselves. And so they're an integral part of the team. They, um, they provide entertainment. Often the coaches are mic'd. So you get a little insight into how they're coaching, what they're telling their players, how they're encouraging them, how they're trying to turn them around. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a big part of, uh, I think, the, the, you know, the sort of the value of world team tennis is getting into the brains of the coaches and the players a little bit by miking them. And uh, I think you'll continue to see more of it. And uh, I, think, uh, I think, you know, more and more people are approaching us wanting to coach the teams because I think, it brings back a little bit of, you know, their, you know, their glory days to them. And it, they love being around the game and they love sort of being able to share a little bit of that insight, you know, from winning a, you know, a French open with your brother in the case of, you know, Luke and Murphy and being able to bring a little bit of that back and encourage a team to get, you know, to get a victory. And I mean, what a great learning opportunity for a junior player to be able to hear what the coaches are saying to these top, top level pros and understand that even a player at the level of a Venus Williams or a Taylor Townsend or Nick Kyrgios still has a lot to learn from a coach in the moment, but also, you know, off the court. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's amazing how, how good everybody is, but yet no matter how good you are, there's always, you know, there's always one little thing that might be the tipping point. And if the coach can help you find that, if the coach can get your head screwed on straight, if it might be a little bit cockeyed, all of those little things matter. And those are the reasons that um, you might win a championship for your team and your teammates. And so it is fun to watch. It's certainly entertaining. Uh, they're all different personalities for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's great to see a guy like, you know, Luke Jensen with his energy uh, invigorate, you know, invigorate his team and his, um, and his teammates. For sure. So if people want to either watch on TV or come in person to a WTT match, how do they find out the schedule and how do they get tickets? How does all that work? Well, I mean, the easiest way is to is to go to world, uh, WTT.com and uh, on WTT.com are all of the, the team sites from, you know, New York to Orlando to Vegas to San Diego, Orange County. They're all all the team sites are there. Uh, generally, most most sites are Ticketmaster sites and we link the, the ability to buy tickets from the website so you can get them there. 
uh, schedules, TV schedules, all of those things are listed there as well as all your results and being able to track all your favorite players. Fantastic. And the drafts happen when for the teams? So the draft, the, the draft will be in, uh, in March and, uh, we'll be doing that out at Indian Wells. Um, and, uh, it'll be exciting. Fantastic. That'll be so fun. Uh, I hope I get to be there this year. That'll be, that'd be really fun. What else do you need us to know about world team tennis, Carlos? I just, you know, look, we're growing. Uh, we're looking to add more cities in the coming years. We hope to get to 10 teams in 2020 and then, uh, 12 teams in 2021, uh, you know, make sure, you know, you check your TV schedules between ESPN and, and CBS Sports. But uh, all of it's available on, you know, on our website at WTT.com, as well as on, you know, follow us on Twitter or, or on Instagram. And, uh, and certainly if, uh, if you need anything, shoot us a note on Twitter. We're happy to help you out. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking with us and good luck as you continue in your efforts to grow World Team Tennis. We look forward to watching the growth and watching the matches next summer. Super. Thank you, Lisa. Look forward to coming back on the show anytime. Thanks so much. And to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out parentingaces.com.